You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. 30 years ago, Japan's oldest camera company, Konica, brought out a new point and shoot for the mid range market, the Konica Big Mini. Since then, this beautifully sleek little compact camera has developed a reputation for being a cult camera, but it's also developed a reputation for being unreliable. So, is the Big Mini big fun or a big failure? Keep listening and find out. I'm Matt Murray, and this is Matt Loves Cameras. Film cameras, instant cameras, and everything analog photography related. friends how are you i hope you are well wherever you are all around the world summer rolls on here in australia it's been very hot recently um but then about the last week or so it has been pouring with rain which has been fantastic because it's been so much cooler um i really do love the rain (laughs) and the cooler weather i think it was all my years in the uk that made me like this the grass that was outside that was so brown and patchy is now like a jungle it's uh, bright green (laughs) and uh, i'm having to get out there and mow it all the time when it's not raining. Um, Big news on the personal front is that I actually got a job in mid-January. So if you're wondering why there was only one Matt Loves Cameras podcast in January, that's why. I got a job much quicker than I anticipated. I thought I'd be out of work for, I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks. And uh, I did at one stage have dreams of having a summer of Matt. Um, Of course, that's a reference to the classic episode of Seinfeld where George gets a payout from the Yankees and uh, he thinks he has all this money and all this time to do whatever he wants to do. Um, But it doesn't quite work out as planned for him and it didn't work out that way for me either but I'm not complaining I'm really happy to be back in work I'm working for a very well-known government organization here in Australia and it uh, seems like a really nice crew and a nice job so just a quick recap I'm Matt Murray. I'm a photographer and camera enthusiast from sunny Brisbane in Australia this podcast is all about analog photography In many episodes on the podcast, I review a different film or instant camera, telling you about its history, its features, what it's like to use, and what kind of photos you can expect from it. And in today's episode, episode 26 of Matt Loves Cameras, it's a review of the Konica Big Mini BM201. You can see all of the show notes for every episode of Matt Loves Cameras, including this one, on the website mattlovescameras.com. And also check out the show's Instagram at Matt Loves Cameras. So before we start the review of the Big Mini, I thought it'd be interesting to look at the history of Konica. And when we look at the history of Konica, I thought it'd be even more interesting if we had a look at the backdrop of Japan, what was happening in the lead up to the founding of companies like Konica. Cue traditional Japanese music. <laughs> From 1603 until 1867, Japan was ruled by a military government, the Tokugawa shogunate. That's right, there was a bunch of shoguns ruling Japan. This period of 264 years was also known as the Edo period. It was a time of steady economic growth, despite the fact that the shogunate had an isolationist foreign policy and had pretty much cut off all ties with the outside world. This was a time of great peace and prosperity for Japan, although there was a very strict social order. At this time, Japan was a nation of 31 million people, 80% of whom were rice farmers. The Edo period also saw a maturing of the arts and culture scene in Japan, especially theatre and music. In 1868, all that changed with the Meiji Restoration. I hope I'm pronouncing these words right, by the way. An imperial ruler replaced the shogunate, and his name was Mutsuhito, or the Emperor Meiji. The next 44 years was a period of major political, economic, and social change that brought about the modernization and westernization of Japan. Five years after the Meiji Restoration, in 1873, 
a Tokyo pharmacy or drugstore called Konishi Ya Rokubei Ten started selling photographic products. The store was owned by Sigura Rokumen V, but it was his son, Sugura Rokusaburo, who was behind the expansion into photographic products. At that time in the 1870s, almost all photographic products were imported into Japan. Rokusaburo had big plans though, and over the coming 20 years or so, the company solidified their sales of photographic products through their drugstore, and they also became a pioneer of the homegrown photographic industry in Japan. Here's a list of their notable achievements over the next 140 years. Now bear in mind the company changes its name about 10 times, not even joking, but I'll be referring to them as just plain old Konica. So after starting off in that pharmacy in 1873, it took them a little while to get their act together, but by 1900 the company had developed its first camera, mostly made by local Japanese artisan subcontractors. In 1903, Konica released the Cherry Hand Camera. The name in Japanese featured the word Sakura, which of course means cherry or cherry blossom even. This was the very first Japanese camera to have a brand name. It was a simple box camera based on early European designs. In 1923, Konica founded the Kanishi Professional School of Photography in Tokyo. It's still going to this very day, but it's now known as the Tokyo Polytechnic University. Two years later, in 1925, they introduced the Perlette, the first mass-produced Japanese camera. The Perlette would continue to be manufactured until the 1940s. In 1929, Konica launched Sakura Roll Film, the second roll film brand in Japan. In 1931, Konica released the Hexar, the first Japanese camera lens sold commercially. In 1947, they launched a 35mm rangefinder camera. Being inspired by other manufacturers such as Leica and Yashka, they chose the name Konica, shortening their own name, Konishi at the time, and adding a CA on the end for camera, Konica. Very clever. In 1958, they launched the Konica 3A, a rangefinder with one of the best and brightest viewfinders in camera history, and a sharp 48mm f2 hexanon lens. In 1963, along came the Konica Auto S, the very first automatic exposure 35mm camera which featured a cadmium sulphide meter. In 1968, they released the Konica Auto Reflex T SLR, the first 35mm SLR in the world with through the lens TTL fully automatic exposure control. On a side note, I was actually gifted one of those cameras, a Konica Auto Reflex T, uh, probably about six months ago now, and I'm really looking forward to uh, playing around with that and putting some film through it. In 1973, Konica improved this model by releasing what is now considered a vintage classic, the Konica Auto Reflex T3. Throughout the 70s and 80s, the hits kept on coming. In 1975, they released the Konica C35EF, EF stood for electronic flash. This was the very first compact 35mm camera to feature a built-in flash. In Japan, this camera was known by its nickname Picari, which according to Camera Wiki, trans roughly into glittery brightness. It featured a sharp Hexanon 38mm f2.8 lens preset to four different focus zones. The Konica C35 EF was followed up two years later, in 1977, by the world's first autofocus camera, the Konica C35AF, AF of course standing for autofocus. This model would sell over 1 million units thanks to its passive autofocus system. In 1978, Konica launched the FS1, the first 35mm SLR to have a built-in motor drive. In 1983, they released the Konica Instant Press, a professional quality instant camera that took a Polaroid branded back. This camera featured a Hexanon 110mm f4 lens and gave the photographer full manual control over exposure settings. In 1987, Konica started making single-use cameras after Fuji had pioneered the concept one year earlier. 
Also in 1987, the company was officially called Konica Corporation. In 1989, Konica launched a new point-and-shoot, the Konica A4, which is the predecessor of the Big Mini. The Big Mini, of course, was released one year later in 1990. In 1991, they released the Konica Hexar, a high-end fixed-lens cult camera, which many, many people lust after. And in 2001, they released the Konica Hexar RF, another classic, a rangefinder that takes Leica mount glass. Here's where the story starts getting a little bit sad. In 2003, Konica and another photography company, Minolta, merged to form Konica Minolta. Both companies were struggling financially, and it was hoped that a bigger firm would have better chances of survival. But sadly, that wasn't the case to be, as their digital cameras did not gain significant market share. In 2006, Konica Minolta announced a partnership with Sony to create a new line of DSLRs. But just six months later, Sony bought the photographic assets from Konica Minolta, and those two legendary Japanese camera brands exited the photographic business for good. Sony's acquisition mainly targeted the designs and tooling for the SLR cameras and accessories that Konica Minolta owned. Rather interestingly though, it's not generally known whether Sony acquired film camera designs or if that intellectual property was retained by Konica Minolta. At the end of 2010, Konica Minolta closed off its customer service support for Konica Minolta cameras and related products. Although they are not in the camera business anymore, the importance of Konica to the Japanese photographic industry cannot be overstated. They were a pioneer and led the way for many other camera companies. In fact, they led the way for many other companies in other industries in Japan as well. Although not as big as Fuji, they were a major manufacturer of film and photographic paper, often selling their film under their own label, but also under white labels for other manufacturers. They also produced cameras for the following types of film, 118, 122, 126, 110, APS, disc, instant, 120 cameras, and in 120 cameras they sold 645, 6x6, 6x7 and 6x9, 127 format, and a wide array of plate film cameras, and of course, uh, in more recent times, of course, digital cameras. So they really covered the whole spectrum of the photographic industry in their 140 or so years. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. So let's talk about the Konica Big Mini. Now the Big Mini isn't just one camera, but a series of cameras introduced by Konica in 1990. Or should we make that actually 1989? That's the year that Konica released the A4, which is a very similar looking camera. And some people say it has exactly the same optics as later Big Mini models. That lovely Konica F3.5 35mm lens. Certainly if you look at a Konica A4 and if you look at a Konica Big Mini 201, they do look very similar. Those beautiful kind of rectangular design, but it's got the rounded edges and it's also got that rectangular square kind of lens design that comes out of the camera when you turn it on. Now, when Konica got to the 300 series of the Big Mini, they actually changed that square lens to like a round lens that protruded out of the camera when you turned it on. So that's one easy way to tell them apart. The square ones were the earlier ones and the round ones were more the 300 series and also the Big Mini F. Now with the 300 series, there were a few variations. I don't have details on them all, but I'll tell you what I know. There was a Konica Big Mini BM300 there was a 300S, which had different color schemes to it. There was a 301, which had a data back. And there was also a 302. Now, there's other models in the big mini lineup as well. All of these have the letter Z on the end, or Z. If they have the letter Z or Z on the end, of course, they're zoom models. So they're not going to be quite as uh, interesting to us photographers, probably, as the uh, fixed lens ones. So there's the big mini bm 
310Z, the 311Z, the 411Z, the 510Z, the 610Z, and then there's other big mini models, which are just horrible looking things. So you've got the Konica Big Mini VX BM701 and the Big Mini Neo R, which are much more cheaper plastic looking cameras. So just because it's got the words Big Mini on, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a really good camera. The one really good camera though in the lineup, and a lot of people go after this one, is the Konica Big Mini F. So this differed in the lineup in that it had a 35mm lens, but it was an f2.8 lens, half a stop faster than the regular lineup. So today's review is centering on the BM201, that lovely square lens camera that you probably think of when you think of a big mini. It's certainly one of the more common models. Now, when I say square lens, of course, I mean that the, the housing uh, around the lens that uh, protrudes from the camera, when you turn the camera on, that housing is square or rectangular, as opposed to later models where it was circular. Now, I've actually found out th online through my looking at eBay that the cost of this camera new was 199 Australian dollars, which is about 130 US dollars at the current exchange rate. So that was in 1990, So yeah, 30 years ago, that's how much it cost. So it was a substantial kind of purchase, but certainly I wouldn't have thought that it was a top of the line camera back then at that price. So let's look at the specs for the big mini BM201. Launched in 1990, it's now 30 years old. It's a compact 35mm film camera with a lovely sleek design, rectangular camera with rounded corners. It's got a lens, a square or rectangular lens that comes out from the body when you turn it on. It features a Konica 35mm lens, f3.5 lens, four groups, four elements with a built-in skylight filter. The camera has CDS center-weighted metering and exposure is controlled automatically. So the big mini makes all the decisions around aperture and shutter speed. Now shutter speeds for this camera range from 3.6 seconds to 1/500 of a second. The camera is capable of reading DX film codes from 25 to 3200. Now with non-DX film, it defaults to ISO 25. Very interesting. Many other cameras default to ISO 100. As with many modern point and shoots, it has auto film winding. It also has auto film rewinding. On the top of the camera, you have the on and off switch and you also have the shutter button. On the base of the camera, you have a tripod socket. On the back of the camera is where a lot of the uh, action occurs for the big mini. So you have a little LCD panel there. And with the LCD panel, you have different buttons. So one of the buttons is the mode button, and that goes through, that cycles through all of the different, different shooting modes. So you've got auto flash, the, the camera works out whether it needs the flash or not. The next one is flash on, fill in flash. Next one is flash off. And then it gets a little bit interesting. The next two modes are flash off, but the next one is exposure corrected to plus one and a half aperture. Very interesting, plus one and a half aperture. And then the next one after that is exposure corrected to minus one and a half aperture. So there you go, depending on the scene, you can correct the automatic exposure to plus one and a half aperture or minus one and a half aperture. Also on the back, there's a self timer button, which I guess you could use if you put the camera on a wall or if you use a uh, tripod with it, of course. And there's also a tiny little button to auto rewind the film. So the LCD on the back does show, as I said, what frame number you're up to. There's a little battery image that shows how full or empty your battery is. And of course it also shows which mode you're on as well. The minimum focus distance for the camera is 35 centimeters or 1.15 feet. And it can focus, of course, all the way to infinity. Now, when you're between the range of 35 centimeters to 60 centimeters, that's 1.15 feet to two feet, a little flower will come on in the viewfinder telling you that you're in macro close-up mode, which is very, very cool. The camera takes one CR123A battery. Of course, that's a battery which many, many sort of modern point-and-shoot cameras use. 
The BM201 is lovely and light and compact. You'll get a, a feel of how big it is if you haven't had one before from the pictures on the show notes at mattlovescameras.com. It comfortably fits in the palm of my hand and also in many of my pockets. And it weighs just 188 grams or 6.6 ounces without the battery. So a tiny bit more when you pop a battery and a roll of film in. Focusing is courtesy of an infrared non-scan active type autofocus system and you can also lock focus by pressing the shutter button down halfway. I bought my big mini BM201 from eBay last October. There was an auction, uh, of course on eBay you've got the auctions and you've got the buy it nows. So this one was an auction, I was competing against other buyers and I snapped it up at 115 US dollars. It was in fairly good condition, had a few scrapes and scuffs but nothing too bad and the, the seller said that it was in perfect working condition. So when it arrived, I was very excited. Um, I didn't mind paying 115 US dollars for the camera. This was when I um, had a job, by the way, in October before my contract ran out. So I still had money coming in and um, I snapped up the big mini. But when it arrived, I put a battery in it and immediately I knew there was something wrong. When I was cycling through all the different modes, the flash wouldn't work. Now that isn't a big deal by itself. I don't really, uh, you know, shoot with flash a lot. However, you know what? I actually bid that item up and up and up against other people on the basis that it was in perfect working condition. If the item had said that the flash wasn't working, but it still worked okay, the camera still worked okay, I would have bid on it, just not as much money. So this kind of annoyed me because I felt like I'd overpaid for something. And, and the reason I really wanted the flash modes to work is firstly, because they said it was in perfect working condition. But secondly, I thought, look, if I don't like the camera, I want to be able to sell it on. And to get a good price to sell it on, you know, uh, if the flash doesn't work, that's going to be a little bit of an issue. So I actually uh, put a roll through it. I actually put two rolls through it. and But I got in contact with the seller after the first roll and just to make sure that when I put a film in and everything, the flashes, uh, flash modes definitely weren't working. Uh, and so I got back to the seller after the first roll and I said, hey, look, the flash modes aren't working. And the other issue is that the shutter button is very, very hard to press. Now, the big mini cameras have a bit of a reputation for having uh, a shutter button that is a little bit hard to press, but this was ridiculous. Uh, some images, you know, they're just landscape images. It wasn't of a fast moving child or dog or anything, but I'd have to press the shutter quite firmly four or five times for it to take an exposure. That's kind of ridiculous. Uh, so I got back in touch with the seller and said, hey, it's got these issues. I'm happy to take a video to show. I'm not trying to, you know, trying to get a discount or something, but, um, you know, or what can you do? And they just said to me, just send it back. We'll give you a full refund. Uh, sometimes in those situations, sellers will actually offer you a partial refund. They'll say, hey, we'll give you back, you know, 20%, 30%, 50% of what you paid uh, if you keep the item. Uh, I've actually had that before with uh, the Contax T2, uh, sorry, the Contax G2. Uh, the seller offered me some money uh, or for like a re partial refund to keep it, but it wasn't enough to, to get it fixed. So I said no. But this seller, uh, even though I'd offered to send a video, they said, no, just send it back. We'll give you a refund, uh, which was a bit silly because I think they've actually probably lost money on it because they also had to refund my postage out to Australia. And then when I sent it back to them, they also had to refund my return postage. So they probably would have been lucky to break even on the camera. So I did manage to then put another roll of film through it before I sent it back. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed the experience. It's a lovely little camera. It's nice and light and compact. It's not as compact as, say, a Mew 2, uh, but it certainly has, I don't know, it's got a really nice feel to it. It's kind of a longer, flatter camera than, say, I don't know, the Olympus XA or something like that. It just feels good in your pocket. Maybe it's those rounded edges on the camera. I don't know what it is, um, but it does have a really, really nice feel to it. I think the absence of any sort of corners or any case or anything jutting out from the camera, you know, when you, the camera's turned off, it's just this smooth rectangle with, with round edges. It feels really nice. 
Now, another thing I really like about the camera is the styling. You know, so many cameras are black. This one is this beautiful gray, sort of space gray, and, um, you know, with the cool rectangular housing around the, the lens and how it comes out of the body and goes back in. Uh, I, I just think it's a really cool looking camera. And I, I really loved having it out with me for a few days when I shot those two rolls of film. In terms of being a snappy kind of camera to use, you know, it turns on pretty quick and that uh, rectangular or square lens housing comes out quite nicely. And I really, really like the, uh, the noise that the shutter makes uh, when it actually does manage to fire. And um, I love the viewfinder. Uh, I, I, this is a nice little camera and I really, really had fun taking pictures with it. And so I was actually really sad when I did have to send it back. Now, I did actually take um, a couple of photos with the exposure compensation um, pressed down, but I, I'm looking at my photos now and I can't even work out which ones they are. So I'm actually wondering, you know, was that also broken? The flash the flash wasn't working. Was the exposure compensation, uh, was that not working either? You know, was there an issue with the shutter because it was, it was taking so long for me to, you know, so many times for me to press it to take an exposure? So on the basis of all that, even though I, I really grew to love this little camera, I thought I've got to send it back because it, it could be on the way out. It could be, you know, one or two rolls from being dead. So I sent it back. Uh, and then over Christmas, I saw it being relisted. And in early January, the auction was ending again. And this time the auction was, I think it got up to about 50 US dollars. And this, well, this time I had finished my contract. I was looking for a job, had to be very careful with money. And we're actually down the Gold Coast for the day, uh, took the kids to the beach, and I saw this auction ending. And I said to my wife, oh, gee, you know what, I'm, I might bid on this camera again. She said, what do you mean? Is that the one you sent back? And I went, yeah, it's um, it's only 50 US dollars now. She said, but why would you want to bid on it again if, if, if you sent it back? I said, well, I sent it back because it cost a lot of money because it said it was perfect and it wasn't. Now it's only half the price. I'm actually quite tempted to buy it, you know, knowing it's false. I'm happy to pay, you know, 50 US dollars for it plus postage. But in the end, I thought, no, Matthew, you're not currently in work. You've got to watch those pennies. Um, stop being such a, a gasaholic. So I, I let it pass and I think it sold. I think it sold just under 50 US dollars in the end. Uh, and good luck to anyone who, who bought it. I hope they get many, many rolls out of the big mini BM201. Oh, and here is the noise of the shutter. I've incorporated it in Matt Loves Cameras. So in that last segment, I've really touched upon the Achilles heel of the Konica Big Mini. They are not particularly reliable in terms of their longevity. You know, they're getting 30 years old now. And even 10, 15 years ago, there was quite a few of these in online forums. People would say, oh, my Konica Big Mini died. And so, yeah, it's kind of pretty fragile in a way. So here's a good article from Japan Camera Hunter. I'll put a link to this in the show notes. So this is from 2012. And this is what uh, Bellamy says here. They are pretty fragile. The Mini has a habit of dying, but at the end of the day, they are so cheap you can just buy another. The main problem seems to be the ribbon that connects the control panel on the back of the camera. Make sure you take care of this bit. So there you go. Uh, in 2012, they were still pretty cheap. In that same article, the Japan Camera Hunter actually says that, you know, it's great to take this camera out on a night out because basically if it gets lost or dropped or whatever, it doesn't really matter because it costs less than a round of drinks in the evening or something like that, he says. So I guess I don't know exactly how much they were in 2012, but certainly, you know, less than the drinks bill for the evening. I'm going to guess that would be under, well under 100 US dollars, I don't know, under $75, under $50. I guess it depends how many people you've got in your night out and how many people are drinking. Now, I also found another forum thread where someone was talking about the big mini and they were talking about it dying all the time, but they also said they kept picking them up on eBay and Craigslist for around the 20 US dollar mark. So yeah, there you go. That was about uh, 12 years ago. You could pick them up that cheap. And of course, there's probably thousands of people who would tell you, oh, I got my big mini for 50p from the charity shop. So uh, I think those days are gone. I think people, you know, with the rise of internet forums and stuff like that, uh, people know about this camera even more than they used to 10, 15, 20 years ago, probably. And the legend of the big mini has grown. And so these now command really high prices um, on eBay, probably because number one, they're a, it's a good camera and uh, it's a much talked about camera, but also because that the, the stock is dwindling. Uh, you know, there's just not as many out there anymore. 
Of course, you do hear tales of other cameras dying. I mean, the Mewtwo, I've heard quite a few people, you know, talk about their Mewtwo dying or seen it in forums. But funnily enough, I haven't heard that many tales of the Mew1 dying. My Mew1 is one of my favorite cameras. I'm actually shooting with it at the moment for the 2020 Frugal Film Project. That's really hard to say, Frugal Film Project. And I'm actually loving the Mew1. I'm, I'm putting some HP5 through that at the moment and love it. That's actually one of my top camera recommendations, actually. It's probably a pretty predictable one, really. But yeah, grab yourself a Mew1 or an Olympus L2 one. They are absolutely cracking cameras for the money. No, they don't have exposure compensation like the big mini, but they're cheaper. They've got great lenses, great results. Beautiful, beautiful little cameras. So grab one. Final word on the big mini and the prices. You know, I think one of the reasons that the big mini sort of has got this cult reputation, number one, it's a great camera, right? I really love taking images with it and I'm really happy with them. But the other thing is this, you know, going back 10, 12, 15 years ago, you could pick these up for next to nothing. So when you could spend 20 US dollars and just get an absolutely fantastic uh, sorry about all the squeaking in the background. I don't know if you if you guys heard that, but that's Marshall Dalmatian. He's got a new squeaky toy. Um, and he's squeaking it. And I've lost my train of thought now. I'll have to go back and listen to it again. Hang on. Oh, I remember. Yes. So this kind of solidified the reputation of the big mini, right? You know, 15 years ago when film was in a really bad place, you could pick these things up for nothing. So people bought a lot of them, played with them. They broke, kept buying them. And the legend of the big mini grew and grew and grew. And obviously as, you know, web blogs, you know, blogs and uh, online review sites come along, uh, more and more stoked the fire of the big mini reputation. the show notes at mattlovescameras.com if you're on instagram come say hi at mattlovescameras or if you fancy getting in touch drop us a line at mattlovescameras at gmail.com so let's talk about some of the images i captured with the big mini bm201 now, on my website, mattlovescameras.com, I'm actually trialing a different kind of show notes uh, for this episode. Probably not even show notes. It's probably more of a standard review uh, of the big mini with the podcast that attacked on just to see how people like that. It's more of a standalone, I guess, web article than, you know, reading a bit of a web article about the show notes and having to listen to the podcast. So here we go. So the very first image is an image I actually took with my digital camera of the lovely big mini. Uh, the first two are actually, and you can actually see in the background, um, I've been talking about how, how much it's been raining lately here in Brisbane. These images were taken in December or November, and you can actually see in the background, the bokeh of the images, how brown my grass is in my back garden. <laughs> it's like super brown. Uh, so there you go. There's a couple of images there of the big mini. And then we get on to the images taken with the big mini. So the first one is my favorite boat down at Victoria Point. So you'll know if you follow my Instagram for my RF70 pictures, Matt Loves Instant, you know that I'm kind of obsessed with these boats. And uh, you'll, you'll expect to see quite a few more of these boats in coming months with some of the roll film shots as well. So this is my favorite boat down at Victoria Point. It's a beautiful red color and it's got these kind of white and blue sort of, you know, peeling sort of paint on the side of it. And I was actually devastated last year, uh, late last year or early this year. I went down to the water and uh, the boat's gone. I don't know where it is. Um, so whoever owns the boat must have removed it and taken it elsewhere. Um, I do actually have a new favorite boat, but that's a conversation for another day. So I really like this image. Uh, I think this is when the bushfires were on. The light was very sort of subdued. It wasn't really bright, harsh sunshine. But um, the, the big mini's done a really good job there. I think it's lovely and crisp, the image. Uh, the color rendition's really nice. And that was shot on Fujifilm C200 film. The next image is of central Brisbane and I was actually downtown here near all the big buildings. I was going for a walk during my lunchtime and I loaded up some Agva Vista 400 film and I looked up and saw this beautiful reflection of different buildings and the nice foliage and I took a picture and I really liked that. I think the, the image is quite nice. The camera's done quite well at sort of the, you know, the highlights and the shadows in the scene and um, yeah, I really like that image. 
The next image is back on C200 film. It's a picture of my beautiful daughter lounging on the beach at Kuchimadlo Island, one of the little islands near where we live. It was late afternoon and I really liked this. It was quite bright in the background and um, I was a bit worried about how the image would turn out in terms of her face, um, you know, not being bright enough. But no, it turned out quite well. I actually took a couple of different images with her and um, I'm pretty sure that I used the exposure compensation on one, but they kind of look the same. So I'm not sure if there wasn't much difference or maybe the exposure compensation, like the flash, had actually stopped working on this particular model. Who knows? The next image, when we get down to a bit further to more images, is a classic Jag. So we actually went and played mini golf at Christmas and uh, there was a Christmas themed mini golf in Brisbane and we went along and just as we were leaving, um, I saw this Jag in the car park, a Jaguar E, I think it was, Class E or something like that. And so because I love the shape, you know, I'm not really into cars, but I really love the classic shapes of this car. So I thought, right, I'm gonna take some images here. And again, it was getting quite dark. It was late in the afternoon. Uh, but I really liked the how the images turned out there. The exposure is really nice. The colors are great. It's very crisp and, and nice. The next one is back on Agfa Vista film. Actually, the car one's on Agfa Vista film, as is the next one. I was at a petrol station one day, a gas station, and uh, I just looked up after paying for my petrol, and there was this red part of the kind of petrol station cover where you underwear you you know you fill your car up. And it was bright red and had this beautiful blue sky in the background. So I just took an image of that. And again, I really like the colors and, and contrast of that image. One thing about these images is this. I've, I have kind of wondered, you know, what role does the camera play in all of this? I mean, there's obviously composition, there's the film and there's a the camera, right? So I, I kind of wonder looking at these images, how other cameras would have rendered that scene. Would it have looked as quite as nice or looked a bit different? Um, but certainly I, I really do like the big mini and I, I do love the shooting experience and I really do like the images as well. Next image, we're still on Agfa Vista and we're back in the Brisbane city centre. This is one of the very few historic buildings remaining in Brisbane. It's called Naldham House from 1882, I think it is. That's a pretty old building in Brisbane. Um, yeah, so there you go. It's a lovely old building there with the beautiful, well, with the new skyscraper in the background. I'm not sure the skyscraper is that beautiful, but it's distinctive at least. And again, I really like the colours and the contrast and the exposure. It's done a, a really good job here, the big mini. The next one is my favourite boat again, more of a close-up on Agfa Vista film. And again, a really nice contrast, lovely colour rendering. I think it's a super little camera. The next one is Trees at Kapalabar. So Kapalabar is one of the local shopping centres near us. There's just shops everywhere. It's kind of a vomit of shopping centres <laughs> everywhere on all these different roads. And uh, it's not particular. I wouldn't say it's a particularly um, photographic, you know, photogenic place, um, Kapalabar. But I looked up and I saw this sunlight in the trees and I took a photo and it actually came out really beautifully. I really love how this has come out. It came out way better than I thought. Another image is the next one back in Brisbane city centre, still on Agfa Vista 400. And it's another image looking up with some a nice tree there. And uh, it's another sort of old historic building. And uh, yeah, I really like that image as well. I really love the colours and the sharpness. It's a great one. The next one is back on Kuchimadlo with Fujifilm C200. That was near sunset. The, the waves are rolling in there and the shadows are all on the beach because the, the beach is facing east and of course the sunset's in the west. So it's kind of, you know, shadows and sun. But again, I really like the exposure on that one. It's very nice. And the last two, we're back with the boats. So there's a nice blue boat there, blue and white boat. Uh, sort of a wide scene at dusk. And then the next one is a close-up of a yellow boat. The yellow boat doesn't look that sharp on the show notes. Um, it is quite sharp. It is quite a nice exposure and it's, it's quite a good image. Um, but there you go. It may not look, I don't know, because it's compressed and a bit smaller, it may not look that good uh, on the show notes. But there you go. 12 images I took with the Konica Big Mini. Really, really lovely shooting experience. Really fun. Lovely, bright viewfinder. I love the way the lens comes out of the housing. I love the noise of the shutter. The shutter itself is a little bit tricky to press on the one I had. 
but still um, a really fun shooting experience and I'm really, really keen to get another big mini, one that works properly this time. I might have to save up for a while though or sell quite a few of my cameras because they're not cheap these days, but it's certainly a camera. I kind of think of it as the one that got away and I'm certainly looking to buy one again, hopefully in 2020. So in this final part of the show, I'll tell you a few other things that I've been up to and I'll also read out a few little messages on Instagram. So Alistair Dougal, who is a contributor to the show and this show and many other shows, he actually has moved up to Brisbane. So a couple of weeks ago, he said to me, Matt, do you want to meet up for a beer and we'll walk around and take some photos? And I said, sure thing. So we met at uh, South Brisbane or South Bank. And uh, we went for a, a beer and a wine. I had a, a, a glass of sparkling wine. That's what I like drinking. Champagne kind of stuff. It was a very warm evening. And uh, Alistair had a beer. And uh, off we set. And we walked around South Bank, walked across the Kurilpa Bridge into the city. And just as we got into the city, the light was dying a bit. But we took a few photos. We had a good chat. And at the end of the night, Alistair gave me a Leica. I'm not even joking. Alistair gave me a Leica, but it's only a loner. So this is what happened. Before Alistair left Sydney, he went and met Alan at the Film Sweats. So Alan is a, an avid film photographer. He listens to, I know he listens to this show. He listens to Negative Positives, listens to Sunny 16. And uh, Alan said, hey, if you're going up to Brisbane have a shoot of this camera, and then when you finish with it, give it to Matt Murray, and then he can send it back to me. So there you go. Alan has been bugging me for ages uh, to get a Leica, and um, yeah, Alec, I'm interested. I, I just don't know if I'm two or three grand interested. Uh, so he set one up for me to have a play with. Very, very kind of him. So it's a Leica CL. Uh, I think, is this the one that Minolta made, maybe? Yeah, I think it is. It's a beautiful looking thing, and it has a seven artisans lens on it. So what lens is this? It's an f2 by the look of it. I don't know what focal length it is. I can't quite read it. Oh, here we go. 35 f2. 35 mil f2. Lovely. So thank you so much to Alan at the Film Sweats on Instagram. Check out his work. I really love some of his Leica. Well, all of his Leica work is beautiful. And he's also now a Fujifilm digital convert. Um, so some of us have been Fujifilm digital converts for years. And I think Alan's just caught up with that one. And uh, before I just finish this section off, listen to this beautiful Leica CL shutter. When I was out of work, I also had a lovely offer from Anthony at My Instant Images. Lovely guy, Anthony. We chat fairly often, usually on Instagram Messenger, uh, but sometimes we chat on the phone as well. Uh, Anthony said, hey, if you're, you know, at a loose end, why don't you come down to Tamworth, New South Wales, and, uh, you know, we can go shoot the Country Music Festival together uh, and take some photos and have a bit of fun, have a few beers. And that was actually, I think it was the day after that I got the job offer. Uh, and so I was like, oh man, you know, I had my Summer of George, Summer of Matt all lined up with all these cool things. And, um, you know, duty to the family and earning money came first, sadly. But uh, thank you to Anthony. That was a really um, kind gesture. And uh, I'm definitely going to take him up on that one day and, uh, and go down to visit him in Tamworth. It's about, uh, I think it's about seven hours from where I live. But uh, no, that'll be a good little road trip one day. Now, speaking of Instagram, I've actually got some nice little messages here. So I had one from Tyrone from the Philippines, and he's at tyronelalas.film. So I guess it's tyronelalas.film. And he says, hello, mate. I'm Tyrone from the Philippines. I love your podcast. Thank you so much, my friend. What are your thoughts on the Harman reusable cameras? Uh, and I actually replied to him and I said, I actually tried to buy one each of the Harman reusable cameras. I think one is an FP, no, HP5, and the other is an XP2. And I actually tried to buy a couple at, around the Christmas Boxing Day, uh, even though I was on a no gas thing. I had a little bit of Christmas money. That's my excuse. And um, they're actually on sale. I think they were like 15 or 20% off uh, because of the Boxing Day sale. Is Marshall squeaking that toy again? He's driving me nuts. Um, but what happened was I tried to buy them here in Brisbane and they're out of stock. And then when they come back in stock, they weren't on sale anymore. So I am keen to try them, Tyrone. Uh, certainly if you guys out there, if you have any experience using the Harman reusable cameras, let me know. I've actually got quite a few little reusable cameras here. Um, a while ago, I bought some Agfa reusable cameras, which apparently are terrible, but we'll soon find out. 
And I also have a couple of Kodak ones and I've got a no brand one as well. So I'm thinking about doing some kind of project with reusable cameras and uh, see how I go with that. I also had another Instagram message from someone in the United States called Aaron. And Aaron's Instagram is N0RAA underscore underscore underscore. I think that's what it is. Now, Aaron came across my RF70, Mint RF70 Instacon images on Instagram, and he sent me a nice little message here saying, look, I'm interested in buying one. Um, can you tell me a bit more about it? You know, the good points, the bad points, all that kind of stuff. And I said, oh, hey, Aaron. Um, yep, I love mine. It has got a, a few little quirks, but I actually did a review of it over here on my uh, podcast, Matt Loves Cameras. And then a few weeks later, on the 16th of January, Adam replied and he put, I just wanted to let you know that I received my RF70 and love it. Your podcast was very informative. Thank you again for your help and advice and happy shooting. So that was really nice. Um, I was really happy that I was able to help Aaron out and that he enjoyed the podcast. I felt a bit guilty for <laughs> inspiring gas once more, but hey, uh, you know, what's a film photography podcast if you don't inspire gas now and again, right? Also on Instagram, I asked people a few weeks ago, what are your goals for photography goals for 2020? And here are the responses. Always Analog said, shoot then dev ASAP. Went weeks and months last year, not developing roles. It was depressing. Yes, definitely get those films in, you know, de develop yourself or send them off to the lab ASAP. I try and do five or six at least and get them all done at the same time. Uh, and sort of, it sort of presses me on. If I've only got one or two roles, I think I've got to shoot more film because I want to send four or five off, you know. So that's what I do. So Nolan Photos, that's G-N-O-L-A-N Photos. So it's probably G Nolan photos. There's probably not a G on the front there. G Nolan photos says shoot more, shoot instant. Yes, shoot instant. What a what a good bit of advice that is. Kevin Lane, of course, one of the Shutter Brothers from Uncle Jonesy's camera podcast. Great podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that one. He says, for the first time in over 30 years, I will be printing my photographs in a darkroom. Wow, that sounds fantastic. Kevin, I'm actually going to be printing some photos in a darkroom as well. Um, the aforementioned Alastair Dougal has um, donated his time and my time in the uh, Negative Positives 300 episode giveaway. And apparently Alistair and I will be developing some images in the darkroom and we'll be printing them as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. And hopefully I can get some audio out of that and share that with people. The next one comes from One Shot Duo. Oh, he just says, hi, Matt Loves Cameras. So, uh, yeah, hi. <laughs> the next one is from Lisa, who is Fox underscore 35 millimeter on Instagram. And of course, she is from Wales. I can tell that by the lovely Welsh flag there in her uh, little Instagram bio. And uh, Lisa says to go, her goal is to go on an organized photo walk and meet other film photography lovers. That is a fantastic goal and certainly something I want to do more of this year as well. Now, Refugium, with all dots in the middle. So, Refugi Refugium, God, it's hard to say. It says, trying all those different film stocks out there to get a feeling of which ones I enjoy most. And again, that's something that I've been doing probably for the last, you know, 12, 18 months. Uh, and uh, it's, it's really fun, isn't it? I love doing that. And the last one is from everybody's favorite Kiwi living in Melbourne, Matthew Joseph at Photo Dudens. And his goal for 2020 is to develop C41 at home and shoot more portraits. Very good goals. Very impressive. Now, speaking of my ambitious list of goals that I told you about in the last episode, I'm not doing very well so far, guys. I'm not doing very well. Uh, I kind of feel like, you know, I'm kind of taking it easy the first few weeks of this, this new year, and I'm going to really smash these goals out in the next four or five weeks. I have started watching more of the Magnum uh, photo street photography course that I bought. Really, really enjoy it so far. There's only small little videos, but they actually then, I didn't realize this when I bought it, but it's actually these like workbooks with each chapter you watch and you got to sort of work through the workbook as well. So it's actually taking a lot longer than I thought. Um, my, so that number, that was number nine, the Magnum Street one. Um, I have completed the first month of the Frugal Film Project. So at least I've done that. That was number 10 uh, to do all three months of, you know, January, February, March. So I've done January. 
do a Polaroid emulsion lift. I have kind of done that. I did it this afternoon, knowing that I was recording this podcast. It was a bit of a disaster, and I think it's because of the impossible film now. It's not as good as the Polaroid film. And basically, two or three, uh, three actually, of my impossible images, uh, as I was very slowly separating the positive from the negative, I'll tell you about this in more detail another time, but as I was separating them, the image cracked in half. Um, and I just made a loss to to know what happened. Uh, I have heard that doing it with impossible or you know Polaroid originals images is harder than the old school Polaroids. Uh, maybe it was something I was doing wrong, um, but from all the videos I've watched, it's not supposed to do that. So I'm going to try again. Although technically I have done a couple of half Polaroid emulsion lifts. What else have I done? I haven't really reduced my cameras. I have been tracking how much I spent on photography. I haven't shot any medium formats and I still haven't published my first film photography zine. But don't worry guys, I'm going to give you a full update in a few weeks and uh, you'll be so impressed at how I'm smashing out these goals, even though you're probably underwhelmed at the moment. Just one more thing to tell you before I close off this episode about the Big Mini. I was actually on eBay this afternoon looking at some prices while I was recording this episode and I saw a Konica A4 that the seller says is broken and they were selling it for $22 Australian including shipping. So that's about 15, 16 US dollars. And they're selling it with a brand new CR123A battery and one roll of film. And they don't think the camera works. I've tried it and they don't think it works. So I bought it. <laughs> the auction was ending and I bought a Konica A4. Now, my gas, again, once again, is kind of out of control a little bit. But, you know, it's 15, 15, 16 US dollars. The worst case scenario is for 15, 16 US dollars, I have a brand new CR123A battery and a roll of Fujifilm. C200 I think it is uh, which isn't worth 15 US dollars but you know that's that's the very worst case scenario of course the best case scenario is that I tinker with the camera and it actually works and I've picked up a Konica A4 for a bargain so I'll let you know in a future episode how that pans out that's all for this episode take care see you soon cheerio bye bye See you.